Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Welcome to Voice of the Church. My name is Pastor Greg Bilsma, and I serve the Living Water Reformed Church of Brantford, Ontario, Canada. I'm glad to be with you for the month of July. As we work through our talks this week, I want to begin by giving special thanks and recognition to the work, scholarship, and writing of Pastor Erwin Lutzer, whose recent book, We Will Not Be Silenced, has been used as something of an inspiration for our talks. As we take time to study God's Word together this month, I would give a strong encouragement to all who are listening to go out and get a copy of this book and uh, enjoy the uh, writing on your own. As we study today, we're going to begin with a series on Second Chronicles 20, and looking at uh, what is taught to us in God's Word there. And the reason we're doing this is because we are in a time in history where the church in the West is under significant pressure. Now, in saying this, I realize we need to be careful. The church has always been under pressure. We're reminded that we are in a spiritual war. We have an enemy who has sought after the people of God since the beginning of creation. But in today's culture and world, at least, and especially in the West, this is becoming more visible. It seems as if the enemy is gaining ground. This has been particularly seen in the way that the comforts and protections we've enjoyed in Western culture have eroded over recent years. Perhaps we've all seen cracks in the foundations in this regard. Things like legalized abortion or same-sex marriages are certainly things we can point to as cracks in that foundation of the Judeo-Christian roots upon which our civilization was begun. But over the last few years, it seems as if the foundations are not merely crackling, but crumbling. And a new sexual and gender revolution gains ground so much that governors in the states who prohibit transgender men from competing in women's sports receive backlash. We've entered a culture of censorship that destroys free speech, closes thousands of accounts on Facebook and Twitter, censors YouTube pages, and in doing so, seeks to destroy any voice that raises itself up against the persistent drum of anti-Christian and anti-truth rhetoric that would seek to silence the truth of God. Hate crimes for helping children have confidence in who they are is a remarkable thing to see in our culture today. And if all that is not enough... Under COVID, at least in Canada, we've seen numerous governments taking powers that at least make us question and struggle. Watching the churches close down or seeing pastors arrested in Alberta, whatever we may think of the various things and we don't agree with everything anyone does, I'm sure, still raises questions and struggles with the state of the church. When we see the enemy, we feel their breath, we see how strong they may fight against the church of the Lord, what are we to do? Well, beloved, that's why we're turning to Second Chronicles chapter 20 today. You see, because all through history, Jesus has reminded us, as he did in John 15, that if the world hates you, you know it hated him before it hated you. Jesus said, if you're of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. And so what do we do? What do we do as we see these different forces happening, as we see these different concerns coming before us? We can find ourselves anxious, facing uncertainty or fear. We can find ourselves facing not only the difficulty of the media surrounding COVID, but sometimes that Goliath who shakes his sword at the church and mocks the God, mocks Jesus, can make us afraid. Well, in Second Chronicles 20, uh, we see King Jehoshaphat facing a foe that made him 
afraid. That's what we're going to study. I'm going to be reading from Second Chronicles chapter 20 from verse 1. We read these words that happened after this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. What I want you to notice as we begin this text together is that the enemies have always been there. And the enemies have always had greater physical, outward, external strength, at least as it appears to the eyes of man. The reports came to Jehoshaphat of these various nations gathering an alliance against the people of God, against Judah. And when he realized he was outmatched and outgunned, he was afraid. Now Jehoshaphat was a godly king. He was a good king who loved the Lord. And yet even good people who love the Lord can find themselves sometimes facing fear or anxiety, struggles in the world in which they're living, especially when the attacks are coming in a more real and close way against the people of God than they have in the past. I believe sometimes more of us may be asking the question that David asked in Psalm 11 verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The beauty of our passage in God's word, and especially in Second Chronicles 20, is that there's much that we can do. There's much that we can do because when the enemy appears so strong externally and to the eyes of flesh, the eyes of faith are able to remember the holiness and the goodness and the power of a sovereign God who is greater than every foe. Second Chronicles 20 verse 3 says these words, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Do you know that you always have a refuge? Whether the attacks against you may be coming on a more broader level in society, whether you may be facing individual foes who are trying to bring you down, whether you are facing the challenges of your own sin in your life, and the devil is whispering in your ear that you will never conquer the sins that you are striving to defeat, the ones that weigh down upon you with guilt, do you know that no matter what the foe may be, you always have a helper who is greater than the enemy? He delights in it when you seek him. That's what Jehoshaphat does. He sees the enemies that are all around, and he turns to the one who has always been a refuge of the fatherless, the help of the helpless. He turns to seek the Lord. And the Bible tells us that none who call on the name of the Lord shall ever be brought to shame. As we continue looking at this story of Jehoshaphat, as we continue looking at how the Lord works in him, we want to realize how this a little bit applies to us today. You know, in the West, we have for many years had a significant degree of freedom and protection from external enemies. We've always fought the devil. We've always had our battles with our own sinfulness. Don't get me wrong. We've always had that foe that would mock the church. And yet in recent years, and perhaps even in recent months, we've noticed that some of those external protections the church has always had seem to be eroding. The idea of uh, labeling as a hate speech or a crime to give counsel to a young person wrestling with their gender dysphoria, to give them encouragement to realize that God didn't make a mistake in making them who they are. That can be something that is criminalized now and for which someone can go to jail. And if we seek to find refuge in the courts where we once always thought we'd have protection, we may not have that anymore. 
It seems like God is removing some of the external helps for those who trust in Jesus. But maybe that's exactly what we need. Maybe the Lord is removing these things so that when we realize we can't find help from our politicians and we can't find help from our our laws or our constitutions or our charter of rights or whatever it might be, that we are left with that one help that never fails, the Lord. As Jehoshaphat goes on in his prayer, the text tells us more of of what he says. And in verse 12, he, he gives these words. As he prays to God who holds all things in his hands, he says these words, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Hear those words, we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Now again, the enemy that attacks the church changes through time, or at least it can be perceived of in different ways. When we look at it historically, we speak of the enemy of the church being the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it speaks of how we can have uh, accusations, persecutions, mockery from the world. It speaks of how we can have struggles from our own sinful flesh, because we are not yet made fully holy, and we wrestle with sinful desires. It speaks of how there's still an enemy, as Peter says in 1 Peter 5, that prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Whatever the foe may be that faces and stands against the church of Jesus Christ, beloved, it is the confession of the church that in our Ourselves, we have no power against the multitude that comes against us. In fact, one of the things that's intriguing is to see how in this current day, not only are we realizing our powerlessness, but sometimes we're left not knowing even what to do. I know within the church where I serve and in many churches that I've been a part of in helping and talking to fellow pastors, there have been many churches who've wondered in this time, what do we do? What is the right response? And we can't always know. But here are the words of Jehoshaphat. We have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That's where we go, beloved in the Lord. That's where God is calling us to go. Take all our struggles, all our wrestling, all our lack of knowledge, all our concern for the foes that may be against us, grandparents who wonder what kind of world their grandkids will grow up in. And to say, we may not have the strength to go against all that is before us in ourselves, but we have a God who knows all things, and he is able to help and willing to help all those who come to him and call upon him, who call upon him in humility, who call upon him in fear. You see, the beauty of the church is that its defense and its protection has always been the living God. The glory of the cross, the glory of the resurrection is not merely that Jesus came to die on the cross and forgive our sins, to take the penalty that we deserved. He did do that. And it's a beautiful thing to know we're washed whiter than snow through the finished work of Jesus Christ. That is a great glory for the child of God that is available to everyone who's listening today. If they will recognize their sin, repent from their sin, and turn to Jesus Christ, they'll be forgiven. But God didn't just send Jesus to pay for our sins. No, he sent Jesus to conquer sin, to also be raised victorious from the dead and to sit down at the right hand of God the Father on high where he rules, says God's word, over all things for the sake of his church, his bride, the bride he loves. That God still watches over you. That God still cares for you. 
and that God still calls us to find our hope and strength in him. If you know anything of the story of Second Chronicles 20, it has a rather remarkable ending. As Jehoshaphat and the people seek the Lord, God gives, as we'll see in our next talk, a word of encouragement through the prophet. And in response, the people of God go into battle, not with their swords sharpened, not with their shields on their arms, but singing in worship to the God who hears the cry of the helpless and gives aid. Love in the Lord, we live in a time where it seems like the church is under greater attacks, the truth of God threatened more than ever before. But God is on the throne. When you find yourself powerless, when you find yourself knowing just how little help you are able to give, and beloved, we should all find ourselves powerless. Let us seek the Lord, who knows what to do, who has the ability to do it, and then let us praise his name. Because he has not forsaken his church, he has not forsaken his bride, the gates of hell will not prevail against her. And not only will he guard his church, but every sheep of it, every child of God who comes to him, everyone who calls on his name, beloved, the Lord loves each and every one. And he guards them through the precious blood of Christ and with the resurrected power of the Savior. May it lead us to worship. May it lead us to thanksgiving. May it lead us to confidence. Not because we can beat the enemy on our own, but because the living God, the King of Kings, still rules, cares for, and protects his children. Beloved, as you go into the week ahead, may the Lord give you strength and confidence, no matter what the enemy may do, no matter how the enemy may appear, to lift up your eyes to God, to seek the Lord, and to praise him as the God who gives us constant help. Blessings on your week, and we'll see you again next week on Voice of the Church.